You're listening to Muscles, Motherhood, and Motivation. I'm your host, Chloe Puff. Well, hi, Karina. I'm so excited to have you on this episode of Muscles, Motherhood, and Motivation. Welcome. How are you? Thanks so much, Chloe. I'm doing well. It's um, pretty cold over here in Southern California, so it's it. We're I'm just nice and cozied up, and my mom is visiting, so it's great to have some downtime. So I would love to just introduce you a little bit, but I'm going to let you take over partway through because obviously you can tell me more about you than I can. Um, but for those of you who are tuning in, Karina is a registered dietitian based in SoCal. And she helps patients develop a healthy relationship with food. So I would love to hear more about that. I am very interested in this because I think it's far more than just the science behind nutrition, but really how you apply it to your life. So tell, tell me what it is that you do in your business. Yeah, for me, I think it's important to hear my patients and hear their health stories, like what they've been struggling with if most of the time. It ends up being stressed around food, feeling like there has to be a lot of restriction, not knowing where to start or even just what to eat. So, so I think it's it's really important for me. What I've learned over the years is is to really make it patient focused and really centered around what my patients need, and and that's sort of what sparked me to have this non diet approach. Um, I've had several different jobs, but one of the jobs that I had was, was so rewarding. It was, um, my title was a health coach and it was with a, an, an employee wellness program at Disneyland. So the oh, cool. employees had, yeah, they had access to work with us as a health coach for free. So over time, I just developed really good relationships. They would come meet with me. It was probably 30 visits that we've had over wow. the course of the couple years that I was there. Yeah. And so over time, I was just realizing that um, people just need someone to check in with, someone to bounce off ideas. and. And not feel judged. And so I felt like, wow, what an incredible need there is because a lot of people for their first visit would come in and, okay, this is what I know about nutrition. Okay, I'm cutting out all these foods. Okay, Mm. don't judge me. I'm still eating apple pie or ice cream or whatever it might be. And I just started to think like, no, there's so much judgment around seeing me as their health coach dietitian. Um, and so that's what made me think about like, we can still enjoy food in a way that's going to feel good. Um, and so when I decided to leave the company, I worked at a couple of jobs after that, but, um, last year I was motivated to start my own business, have my own clientele, um, because I got pregnant with my first son. So mm-hmm. I, you know, it was just a, a new journey for me and I wanted to, to branch out, but, um, I felt like that was important to carry on with me. The fact that, um, you know, I, I'm helping people reestablish what it means to eat, reestablish what it means, what healthy even means. Um, a lot of times there is this, this negative connotation around healthy food or just being healthy, you know, body image comes into play. So, um, a long story short, that's what encouraged me to have this approach where I help people, um, heal that relationship with food, especially if they've done a lot of dieting in the past. Yeah. Gosh. And I find, I find that what you're saying really is in line with what I'm doing as well. Just the process that you actually have to walk clients through to unlearn the, the unhealthy habits and unhealthy 
in this case, actually means the exact opposite of what they think it means, where restriction isn't healthy and, you know, having all these rules um, that we think are supposed to be healthy and how it's typically been presented um, just in society. But we realize we find a lot more freedom to be healthy in an, in a more like well-rounded sense when we actually like enjoy the process or else what's the point if you can't yes. enjoy what you're eating? That's awesome. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. So, okay. Tell me, tell me really quickly what it's like for you right now with a tiny baby and running your own business based around health in a pandemic. <laughs> Cause I know how I feel. I would love to hear how you feel. Oh my goodness. It's tough. <laughs> it, it really is. Um, I've been joking around with my husband telling him it's like, I'm a stay at home mom, but also a working mom. You know, there's no, like, I mean, there's this, this big great area of in between and, and it's, it's challenging. Like my time feels so, so limited. Um, but I think what's, what's helped me is, is seeking help from family members. So that's kind of how I stay sane. And, um, I've been scheduling my appointment visits with, with patients in the evening. So like once my husband comes home, he can help. Um, but sometimes I have a patients and during the day and my husband's grandma will come in and help babysit. Um, so it's hard. Yeah. (laughs) It is tough though, because I feel this, it's like this shift between, Oh, I feel so bad or guilty, like wanting to be with him. Um, and lately I've been wearing AirPods for my visits. (laughs) (laughs) Then I'm just so distracted by his cry. And, and anyway, the, the AirPods seem to tune it out. Um, so I struggle between trying to be very present for my patients because I, I'm just a a person I, I, I want to give my full attention to someone. And so, um, that was the biggest, that was the hardest decision when it came to, um, putting my full-time job because I enjoyed that so much, but even though it was work from home too, I mean, I just felt like I wanted to, I didn't want to miss out on those moments. So yeah. what, what a beautiful career in, in dietetics or being a dietitian, um, where I have that flexibility and, and also from support from my husband too. So I'm super blessed. That's great. I mean, it's, it's hard cause I know not everybody has the opportunity to have help from family or even, you know, work from home or start their own business. And yeah. what you said about, um, getting the help that you needed. Um, This is something that I just touched on in my last episode, actually, that I just Mm -hmm. recorded, um, was that uh, talking about like, if you become a homeowner, you understand that Mm -hmm. you're not, even though you're responsible for getting any maintenance done, it's your job to, if you don't have the knowledge to fix your plumbing, (laughs) that you call a plumber and get the professional help that you need. Um, or at least take the time to to learn from a professional so you can use those tools for yourself. How do you feel like for you as as the person that someone would seek help from, how mm-hmm. do you how do you approach, I guess just in like a let's use maybe like a shorter term client um, as an example, someone who can only really stay with you for three months, how would you mm-hmm. approach giving them the tools that they would need for when you're no longer working with them? Mm. Yeah, that's such a great question because I think this is what divides that idea of 
um, maybe certain companies like selling meal plans where everything is so calculated and, um, you know, fixed and where I come in yet. I, I get this question a lot. Like, do you provide any meal plans? And my answer is always yes, but it depends, <laughs> you know, because I think flexibility is important. And, and like you just brought up, right? Like what happens after the the 30 days, what after, what happens after the two week cycle. Um, and so in the session, I feel like it's really important to break down, um, not, not only what it means to be eat healthy. So like talking about the food groups, maybe going through the importance of carbohydrates, um, fat and protein and how we can pair that up or the importance of snacks. But what I find it useful even more so is in our follow-up visits, talking about success and challenges that the patient has had um, after trying to implement these guidelines uh, for nutrition. And so I think uh, having the conversation around um, what worked for you and what didn't work and how can we um, learn from that or what can we change around as far as their behaviors around food. So I think that in, in a short period of time, it's still possible to, to really dig deep into um, creating some sort of structure around eating snacks so that you're not allowing too much time to go between meals um, and, to, and to implement those, those um, nutrition recommendations that I like to give. So for me, I feel like that's so important to give them those tools. Um, and, and I think the biggest tool maybe in their toolbox is the art of reflecting and exploring yeah. and learning about their schedule. Um, I, I always preach that reflect on what worked and what didn't work so that you can move forward from there. Yeah. I mean, and something popped into my mind when you were speaking, just like the concept of teaching tools instead of teaching rules, because I think oh, it's yes. so similar to what I do as well is when I initially meet with someone, whether or not they or a client, my goal is to have them graduate from my, from my help. Um, yes. And so like what you were saying, um, just brought that <clears throat> phrase to mind, because I think it's really important that people understand you could, you could purchase the most scientifically accurate meal plan. Um, you could purchase the most, you know, whatever put together uh, exercise plan but the knowledge isn't enough. It's like learning why that knowledge is important and what, what you can actually glean from that knowledge that when you don't have the meal plan or the exercise plan right in front of you, how are you going to carry that over into your life? And it's not, it's not always easy. And I think what you said is, you know, learning, like teaching people about their kind of their triggers and, and learning their bodies you know, versus just listening to their bodies. Like, I think that's really, that's really important. It's, it's funny how, I mean, I'm not surprised, but it's funny how aligned (laughs) our, our, um, approaches are, which I just absolutely love. Um, oh, and I had another question for you. What do you feel like are some common, um, issues or misconceptions that come up when you're first meeting with people? I find I hear the same things over and over these, you know, myths about exercise. What about you with people approaching you for nutrition help? Mm, Gosh, that's a, that's a good one. Um, I would have to say maybe like, the restriction of certain foods. I think restriction comes up a lot. This idea that, um, or having to eat less 
also that that came up recently. I've been having more and more new patients. And I think a lot of them are saying, you know, if only I were to just eat less, if only I just cut back on my portions. Right. And I, and I like to share my concern about this. Like, you know, that's great. You know, if there really is a, a I hate to even say problem, but <laughs> if there really is someone who is finding themselves overeating, um, sure, there is a possibility that you're not getting as much nutrition as you might be from other meals or foods. But but I always like to say, like, you know, if you're used to having four to five slices of pizza and your answer is, let me just cut back, maybe I'll just eat one or two, your body is going to be used to eating an excess amount of fat, carbs, salt, and all that. So to simply just go down to one slice to two is is maybe going to be difficult because what happens when you're hungry? You're gonna you need to fill that void. I mean, also pizza. You know, um, I love pizza, but it may Same. not be a food. <laughs> yeah, it may not be a food that will sustain you for a long amount of time. So that's where I always like to recommend. You know, instead don't see hunger as a problem. Let's mm. not think of being hungry as a bad thing. Absolutely. You know, if we're cutting back on portions, let's instead rearrange our plate. So maybe you're not having five pizzas, but maybe you're having two and you're also pairing it with some chicken wings to get some more protein or you're having a salad and right. that is going to be more variety versus just the five slices of pizza. Right. That makes so much sense. I mean, and I, I can't even remember, I feel like this might've been your post. If not, it was someone else <laughs> that I must've followed after seeing your page, but uh, just talking about new year's resolutions, uh, um, talking about how instead of what can you take away, what, you know, what are you going to cut out in the next mm -hmm. year? It's instead, what can you add? So instead of saying, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to just cut back on pizza, you can say, well, you know what, maybe I'm going to add some vegetables on the side of this so I can, you know, balance it out. Cause I, my, my observation is when you are taking care of yourself, like truly, like when you can find self love and, and appreciation and acceptance in yourself, you're more likely to honor your body by choosing mm -hmm. movement or choosing, mm -hmm. you know, pizza because you love it and vegetables because mm -hmm. you also love your body and want to give it nutrition. So, yeah. I, I mean, that's just in my experience. And it sounds to me too, like you do kind of a, a lot of mental work as well. Yes. I often joke that I'm a therapist, but for food. <laughs> because it's so I, true. I feel the same way. It's. I wish it was within my scope of practice to be like, <laughs> yes, I am a therapist, but right. absolutely. So tell me a little bit about like this, this phrase relationship with food. We see that mm -hmm. kind of pop up a lot. What do you feel would be considered a healthy relationship with food versus an unhealthy? And you feel free to change those <laughs> words. Um, but how would you kind of define the positive versus the negative in your scope? Yes. What I mean by that is um, what sort of thoughts come up when you're eating? What thoughts come up about your food, about your body? Um, and that's what I would say distinguishes having an unhealthy relationship with food mm. where there's, there's stress, there's negativity, there's, um, guilt, um, and maybe even, um, just behaviors around food in that way. Um, and I, and I think maybe this comes up a lot of times and, and maybe it just 
it requires a little bit more self-awareness of, of what's what language we're using around food and talking about our body, talking about Absolutely. what we're eating. I, I find a lot of times and, and just in with friends, family, people in my inner circle, um, when I hear comments like, um, oh, don't judge me, I'm gonna get seconds. Yes. You know, I, I will, you know that even, phrase, don't judge yeah. me. Yes, don't judge me. And and I'm not diagnosing anyone or, you know, when I'm at a gathering, I'm really just looking at my plate. I mean, I am not making comments to other people right. about having, you know, you should work on your eating habits. No, no, I, I'm um, in observation. What I, what I hear and also, I mean, it's part of society. We, we hear these messages around um, feeling feeling gross or feeling sluggish, um, not feeling well when we are eating these foods that are uh, classified as unhealthy. Right. So so I think in general, um, the difference here between an unhealthy relationship with food is how you view your, your behaviors around food. If you feel like, oh, I'm so um, unhealthy because I'm, I'm not able to get on track with, mm-hmm. with cutting back on calories or, you know, I think it's just how we, how we talk about food. Um, Oh, I was so bad this weekend because I didn't eat a single vegetable. I was so bad on my trip to Mexico because all I did was drink and eat tacos. You know, it's like, well, I hope you ate tacos in Mexico. Yeah, I certainly hope so. (laughs) (laughs) So Whenever I hear comments like that, it, it really puts a damper on, on my food. Um, right. not to make this about myself, but I no, think I, this is helpful. This is a great perspective. <laughs> yeah. If we start, you know, I even scolded my mom the other day because she said something like that. She asked like, Hey, can I have, um, it's okay if I have some things candy I had there lying in the, in the kitchen. And I was like, yeah, of course, mom. And she's like, Oh my God, here I'm going again for the chocolate, you know, just the, mm-hmm. the bad comments around food, you know? And I told her, mom, just enjoy the chocolate. You don't have to make any comments about how this is your third trip to the chocolate box. Right. Just eat it. And so right. I think, I think, yeah, there, there, um, that might have been a little bit innocent, right? So I think where it becomes a problem, you know, maybe, maybe listeners are asking themselves, well, I make those comments a lot, but when does it become an unhealthy relationship with food? When you are starting to um, maybe eat differently in front of others. Um, maybe around friends, you wait until everyone else serves themselves and then you start to, you know, restrict yourself from the, the fun foods because no one else grabbed dessert. Mm-hmm. Um, you start to change the way that your normal habits are. Maybe you start to cut back on calories. Maybe you start dieting as a way to change your body shape. Um, maybe there's stress around food and you're feeling confused. You're feeling like you're skipping out on meals that you used to enjoy for the fact of, um, most of the time losing, trying to lose weight or changing the way someone looks. Right. And I, I think also one thing, um, one thing too, that I notice is like, you know, if people, Okay, maybe you can tell me your opinion on this before I say my observation. (laughs) So let's say I'm someone who loves ice cream. I'm stressed about buying the full fat ice cream that I love very, very much. So instead, Mm -hmm. I pick the, which no shame because I absolutely love this ice cream, the (laughs) like dairy-free plant-based 90-calorie 
uh, coconut milk ice cream because it seems the healthiest. I don't enjoy it, but mm-hmm. I'm going to eat that one instead. Mm-hmm. So what would you say if I made that choice? Is that a good choice for me? Is that a poor choice for me? Right. What's okay and what's not? Right. I mean, it sounds like it might be a poor choice because, uh, and because of maybe you enjoy the taste, the flavor of the regular ice cream that brings enjoyment. Um, and, and again, I, I'm always like an outsider just listening. So I feel like each person, you know, Absolutely. has different, different values, but, but I'd like to explore that too. And, and I wonder if maybe this is um, on your mind, but something I, I see or I've been reading or I've been like hearing from patients, it's like, how do you draw the line between intuitive eating or, or Mm -hmm. having a healthy relationship with food and values around maybe being plant-based or being vegan. Right. So I think there's a big difference between, you know, I'm choosing not to eat regular ice cream because I value being plant-based. I think we'll see, but then let's, let's change up the, the equation here. What about the, I mean, I guess I'll just say the brand name because it's not like I'm against <laughs> um, but like Ben and Jerry's dairy free, <laughs> like they have like the caramel core, whatever, <laughs> like one <laughs> bite is 700 calories. It's amazing. They have plant-based for both. I think, I think what I would be asking is exactly that question then. How, what would you advise somebody? And I know this is like very nuanced and depends on the situation, but how would you advise someone who's kind of torn between the two? And it's less about, it's less about like which one's quote healthier and more like, what is my balance here? Like, mm-hmm. how do I find the balance? If I, if I choose to eat the Ben and Jerry's, how much am I allowed to eat? Um, or yeah. I know that's kind of a, that's kind of a trigger phrase there, but like how much should I eat? Um, I guess those are the kinds of things that I deal with, with my clients. And it's very different um, because I try to, I try to kind of stay in the, the health coach kind of area when it comes to nutrition. Um, But yeah, that's, that's kind of a, a thing that I see with my clients. How would you deal with that? Yeah. I think it would be important to explore why, why are you, gravitating towards the quote-unquote healthier version of the ice cream Mm. and and a lot of times patients I mean what I've experienced they tell me well because it has too many cal the other one has too many calories because I want to lose weight because I want to cut back on what I'm eating right and so I think starting there is important asking why because I mean they're they're you know, maybe there is no shame around that either. Maybe, but I, I find it, it's important to ask, you know, are you enjoying it? Yeah. If it doesn't taste good and you're doing it, you're just forcing yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Why eat ice cream at all? If you don't like it. Absolutely. That's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Asking why and, and, and self-reflection too, right. I talked about that earlier, but reflecting on like, why do I gravitate towards this type of ice cream? Is it because society says that it's a healthier option? Right. Is it because I have this idea that if I eat this, then I'm not going to gain weight? Then I think those questions are important. Yeah. Well, and that, that kind of brings me to something that I talked about um, 
Gosh, I want to say it was actually in the first episode that I ever did for this, um, but kind of like debunking the the fitness standards and why there's so many like gendered products or foods that play off of women's insecurities, specifically women, because typically in marketing, women are out at the grocery stores. Uh, women are the ones choosing the the healthy food for their families. And so I see all these, these you know, and this is not to be down on anybody's marketing scheme whatsoever. It's just a, just an observation. Like they'll have like purple, uh, purple chips, like the bag will be purple. And then it'll say something like smart or light or skinny. And it'll like, it'll literally be marketed directly towards women and their insecurity of over overeating or, you know, having something that's too high in calories or fat or whatever. So how, how do you feel like, or do you notice those types of things in your everyday life and how do you feel about them? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely noticed that. Um, in fact, I feel like the first time I started being, becoming aware and, and this was my first job out of college. I was not a dietitian yet, but I was working in the nutrition field um, so that I can, you know, get into the dietetic internship. But I was working for this grant that was for kids. um, And they had um, this grant funded program where our goal was to help some of the lower income cities in uh, South LA County, Southeast Los Angeles, um, help the neighborhoods just become healthier. And so I went to a training and one of the projects was, um, to reduce unhealthy marketing to kids Mm. in the grocery stores. And that's where I started to learn about product placement. So if you notice when you're at the checkout aisle, you know, all of the, the unhealthy foods, you know, you know, we're seeing all the chips, candy, cookies, all of that. Um, and then also when you're down at the cereal aisle, the, the products that are marketed towards kids are at their eye level and the quote unquote healthy adult cereals are at the top. And so that wasn't a big eye opener to me when I, um, this was almost like six, seven years ago, um, when I started out in my career and I, I have really gravitated towards that. And over the years, I feel like I've liked teaching patients about, reading food labels and not being misguided by the marketing. Yes. So yeah, that that is why like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm very passionate about this. It's (laughs) like, it's, it just baffles my mind that I, like I understand as a business owner who works Mm -hmm. in health, I understand the need for clients, customers. Yes. Money. Same time. (laughs) It blows my mind that people's like people's job could be to manipulate and incite an emotion based on where a product is placed, what color the product is, the words in the name of the product, all to boost sales, which I get, but holy moly, that blows my mind. Like the fact that sometimes we are subconsciously being enticed into something that we may not normally choose. And then we end up getting hooked because it's colorful and fun and, you know, all that stuff. It's wild to me. (laughs) It is. It is. And especially with food. I mean, it's such a big industry. And and I think what's like lately, now it seems like 
almost everything is being made with cauliflower. Um, you know, all these trends are just <laughs> Unless you up. like cauliflower, <laughs> just eat the gluten. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, and, and it's, you know, not to pick fun of people who, who actually eat it or anything like that. But I think that the, the food industry just sways us in a, in a very, different direction. And, and right. I think a lot of people's food choices comes from that because it looks healthy. Oh, yeah. well, the front of the package said that it was gluten-free. Or there's a well, leaf on it yeah. somewhere. Yes. yes. Stamp. It says natural. Yeah. Exactly. And we have to ask ourselves, like, what, what is natural? Where does this come from? And, yeah. and that's, that's how I guide my patients to, um, in, in our set, in my sessions, I, I like to teach them about conquering the grocery store, feeling very confident about food choices like, and, and knowing how to read food labels and to, to pick, to pick out what foods are going to be best for their family because it can be very confusing. And, um, yeah. and I'm always re- looking at things at the grocery store when I have time <laughs> now with <Yes>. my son, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> pick up, you know, grocery pickup all the time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, at least they have the pictures of the nutrition labels yeah, online. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> that is fun though, so, picking up the product yeah. and comparing. <laughs> Definitely. I would love to know um, what got you into what you're doing. I, based off of what I'm reading here, um, your mom was diagnosed with cancer when you were in high school? Yeah, she was. She was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And, and honestly, I feel like I've learned even more about her case as I've gotten older and, and when I was in college. Um, because at 14, I mean, I was just... You were only 14? Yes, yes, only 14. And, and just kind of skating by, you know. Um, so it was a very big change for our family. Do you I mean, mind if Is your mother around? She is. Yes. Yes. Oh, I know. Such a blessing. She's such a strong, such a strong woman. And, um, I mean, she's had incredible people along the way help. Um, and, and one of those persons is my aunt who's a doctor. Um, so that's her sister-in-law. So, um, my aunt who's a doctor, she's a special, she specializes in, specializes in internal medicine. Um, but she was kind of the one who started to tell my mom, um, Hey, like you, you don't, you know, you look a little bit different. And since my mom's cancer was, um, related to the adrenal glands, a lot of hormones were involved. Yeah. So all of a sudden my mom started gaining so much weight, which is not very usual for her. Like she's a pretty right. petite person and just like her face looking fuller. Um, and just my mom wasn't feeling well. So my aunt was kind of the one to sort of pull those questions out of her and mm. sort of encourage her, Hey, you, you know, you should really go to the doctor. And then when she went to the doctor, it was, it all happened so fast. And then they found, um, a tumor in her, in her stomach and then it ended up being cancerous and it had spread to her liver. Um, uh, I bet, no, actually, I think, yeah, the tumor was, there was also some cancer on the adrenal gland. So they had to remove one of those. And, and it's just been, it's a very rare type of cancer. In fact, my parents saw a specialist in Michigan when 
when this all sort of happened. Um, and yeah, I think my, so my uh, mom is up in Northern California. And so her medical team is at Stanford, but I think, um, I think her case is part of, um, like a study for, for internet or, or for, um, doctors who are interning to be, you know, doctor, doctor students. Oh gosh, I'm, I forget the word. <laughs> uh, you know yeah, I, mean? I know what you mean. Medical <laughs> interns, I guess. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> residents. Yeah. Yes. So any, anytime there's a new resident, um, they're always fascinated to know about my mom's case. So That's she's crazy. Um, it's, it's, it's amazing, but it's been, gosh, I think what, 15 years now, 16 years. Oh, and, and she's, she's doing well. She's in remission. She will have to take um, medication for the rest of her life, but at least she's thriving and she, she's well. That's amazing. My, you know, actually my, my dad is going through cancer currently. He oh, also has I'm a rare so form sorry. of cancer. So we're, I mean, it's kind of a weird time because it's during a mm-hmm. pandemic. So we're just mm-hmm. like, uh, okay, I guess I'll just, you know, wait for texts on updates and stuff, but yeah. it's crazy how, um, I guess for me currently in the middle of it, like having a family member who is chronically ill to have, (laughs) to just be able to kind of see how that like inspires you to continue to like, it just reaffirms, I think things for Mm -hmm. me, not that, you know, exercise prevents cancer, but I think just like that health, health is so important. And also, you know, living living each day intentionally. So eating a piece of pizza because you enjoy it, I think for me, you know, rather than, you know, choosing whatever, a salad, even if I don't want the salad, I think like little things (laughs) like that, um, just kind of reaffirmed for me. I I'm hoping that my dad has uh, the same outcome as your mom, where he's able to completely get rid of it, but it's always a journey. I'm sorry you had to go through that, but I'm so glad your mom is around and yeah that's just incredible and <laughs> that it she's is. a medical anomaly too like don't be <laughs> special when it comes to cancer please that's what we say to my dad <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was a big motivator um i think like i view i viewed health in a different way because of Absolutely. that experience like you know she she dropped a significant amount of weight, not for fun, right? right? Not for looks. It was all the chemo radiation yeah. and, and just um, seeing her thin and, and basically bedridden for a long, long yep. time. And then getting her strength and just seeing how important food is and, and that having that viewpoint of like food being nourishing yeah. is just what my heart has always felt. And so whenever I have conversations with patients around, you know, viewing food as so negative, oh, food is the problem. Food is why I gain right. weight, you know, it just makes me it, it almost, um, I have so much compassion or empathy for those people because my goal is to get them to feel good about food and, and yeah. it just, it's um something special to me when i when i think about that yeah. experience yeah and i i think i think that word nourishing like it's just so important i feel like food does more than you know just nourish our bodies it can fill healthy voids like you know if you're needing some comfort food like a warm mm-hmm. bowl of your favorite mm-hmm. soup that you had growing up you know, it could just be the thing that you need just emotionally yeah. because it does evoke so much yes. feeling. How do you feel like food plays a role in your mental health? Oh, so much, so much. When I, I've 
had patients tell me I'm an emotional eater. I, I like to uncover that and what that means and, and sort of what you were sharing here too, right? Like I like to bring normalcy to the fact that food is going to be nostalgic. Food is going to remind <laughs> us of certain things and that's okay. Um, it's an experience. It, when, yes, absolutely. When, when I was in college, I had a professor. Um, it's really cool to study nutrition. Like you study all the science, but you also study food and you get to cook. Ooh. So one of my professors was a chef. So um, he had us watch this one scene from Ratatouille where, um, where the, the Wait, judge. Wait, can, can I guess? Can I guess? Can I please yeah. guess? I've used this analogy so many times. Oh, please tell me it's when he actually eats the ratatouille, <laughs> the most boring menu item you could possibly think of, but it literally brings him back to his childhood and freaking changes his whole mood. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> I, I, I'm so glad you understand that because um, when, when the, my professor had said that, I was it, it felt... Um, like I resonated a lot with it. And I think that's carried with me over the years because also in school, you know, or like as I'm, I've been in the work field, you know, you, you hear that from patients or maybe I've been, I heard that too from like social media and things like that. Like, like the, a bad label against those who are emotional eaters. Like, Oh, if you're an emotional eater, even within the profession, you know, it's like, Oh, let's fix that. Let's like tap into your emotions in a different way. But it's basically I saying like, like, let's shut down your emotions. So you yeah. stop binge eating. Yes, <laughs> okay. Yes. And, and, and I, I feel always, I always feel such like a radical dietitian for thinking that way, you know, but, but I think about my own experiences. I think about, you know, that movie and, and it, I just, it just shows true and true that, that food is enjoyable, should be enjoyed. And, and especially foods that are part of your culture, part of your family. Absolutely. So for, for me, it brings a lot of joy especially when I visit my mom, she will always make her specialty Mexican foods. And, um, and it's kind of the running joke. Like my brother, my sister always say, I'm the oldest by the way, but they always say like, Oh, Karina, it's like, she's, she's so spoiled. Oh, she's such, so such a princess because mom (laughs) always makes her these, all these meals. And I tell them, yeah, like she asked me what I want to eat. So I tell her I have a menu ready Like you guys don't ask. So that's why she doesn't make it for you. (laughs) So it's a big part of my, my mental health. Yeah. Being, um, being allowing myself to eat any food that that feels good in a moment and i think that mm-hmm. the more and more you practice that the also the, the less you'll feel um this need to to stay away from these foods or right. you know i think it, it just also brings up um still like that on that going on that path of like having a healthy relationship with food, you're, you're just able to dictate what you want to have in the moment. Yeah. Um, oh, and not, that's what I was going to say about the meal planning, <laughs> but I had lost my train of thought. You know, sometimes that's concerning too with meal plans because, because they're so rigid, maybe, you know, it's like, well, what, maybe you won't feel like eating that. And so if you're right. used to following some sort of structure, you know, how are you going to dictate what feels good when you're on vacation or just when you're at home? Um, if you don't have the right tools and learning what it is to come up with like a healthy plate. Yeah. I've, I've definitely shifted my thoughts on like meal prepping at least just in the last mm-hmm. couple years. I think for me, I like, 
I, I'll end up eating what I want to. And maybe if I have one meal of the day where I'm like, okay, I kind of have to eat this because it's leftovers, but that's, yes. not, I mean, literally like <laughs> I've had lunch where it was just the crusts of my children's sandwiches because I was like, I'm not wasting this, but I think I go through different seasons. I think for me, it's right. like, um, for example, my family is very interesting because my husband eats like um, a college kid and like <laughs> has an aversion to all things that grow out of the ground. Um, and meanwhile, I'm vegan, but I like teeter between like healthy vegan and, you know, I eat what I want vegan. So yeah. um, it's just funny because like meals at our, at our house are just <laughs> wild. You never know what you're going to get. I always yeah. end up having to prep like some portion of it and then like making different proteins for everyone. Mm -hmm. But I think you're totally right. It's, it's hard because you don't always know what you're going to be in the mood for, but I think that's yeah. where the flexibility comes in. Like even if you can, um, and you can totally uh, be like, no, that's a terrible idea. One thing that <laughs> I do because I am, I, I do change my mind a lot is I'll make a food I'll make a plain food to prep. Mm -hmm. So if I'm making tofu, I will just make like air fried tofu with just salt and pepper and leave mm -hmm. like no sauces, no nothing. So then when I'm like, I am really in the mood for Asian, like I'll mm -hmm. put soy sauce on it. Or if I'm like really wanting barbecue, I'll pop it back in the air fryer and baste it with barbecue sauce. So that way, like I have some food prepped because life is crazy. Yes. But yes. I do, I do think being flexible is so important. I'm so glad that you said that because it's very hard when so many people reach out and they're like, I just want a grocery list and meal prep mm -hmm. to follow. But then they're like, I hate this. I'm miserable. I'm like, yes. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it's yeah, rough. No, I love, I love that strategy. I think that's great. It, it's flexibility is the key and also planning. You, you mm -hmm. can't, you can't be successful if you don't have some sort of plan or a little bit of time invested in, into the cooking or the prepping. Um, I mean, your meal is not going to magically appear on your kitchen counter unless you're door dashing. Unless you're doing door dash. <laughs> but um, other than that, you know, it does require a little bit of, you know, flexibility, like you were saying. Yeah. I think oh, now I got us all top off topic. Sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. This is part of the fun of doing a podcast. I get to talk about whatever I want. We get to go off on any tangents we want. It's perfect. <laughs> Good. But um, yeah, I, I just love, you know, going back to Ratatouille, actually, I was thinking immediately when you were talking about that, I was thinking about the scene where the mouse or the rat, Remy, is trying like a mushroom with like truffle he's what is it it's like a truffle mushroom and he has like something else with it and he's like pairing it with it and he's like here eat this and then it's like one sound is all like smooth and curvy and has like a nice jazz tune in the back and then <laughs> he eats the strawberry and he's like bah, 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 and it's in the background <laughs> and then they combine together to make a song and I just think that's so like for me, I just think of like certain foods that make me mm -hmm. feel like that where I can actually, where yeah. I'm actually, I'm present for yes. the meal. And I know like everybody's on the go nowadays. So it's very hard. Yeah. Like actually sitting down and tasting flavors, especially when it comes to a food that you feel like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be eating this because it's not healthy for me, but it's something mm -hmm. that you love. 
being intentional and actually sitting down and like giving the food the respect it deserves and giving yourself a moment to actually enjoy it can be so, at least for me, feels like a big shift to be able to allow myself to enjoy food because I'm actually allowing myself to enjoy food rather than being distracted while eating sometimes. Absolutely. It's such a perfect example you just gave because it's the intentional piece that almost kind of curves some of that guilt. You're being just so present and um, there's a big difference between like grabbing a handful of popcorn from the pantry with the cupboard open and trying to hide from someone. Right, like versus, sneaking it in your mouth. Yeah. yeah. Versus like my kids do. <laughs> getting a bowl, serving it, and, you know, just sitting there and, and enjoying it. I did have a patient one time actually tell me that she was like, um, tracked everything on my fitness pal and she was very honest, very, very honest, and told me, oh, I even tracked the three spoonfuls of ice cream that I had. And I thought that was so funny. I was like, oh, what do you mean? Like, why was it three spoonfuls? She was like, oh, yeah, because I was just eating, um, like, straight from the freezer. I just had, like, the door open, and I just had some time to shove three spoonfuls. And so then that that guided me towards talking to her about being intentional. And, you know, I told her, what if you just served yourself a bowl of ice cream, you sat down, and you just really made time for yourself? Like, that's a form of self-care too, you know? Yeah. Well, food is, food is self-care. Like nourishment is self-care. <laughs> like yes. like yeah. the, oh, chicken soup is good for the soul. I mean, like <laughs> you're supposed to sit down and actually give yourself a moment. It reminds yeah. me a lot. Like, I don't want to compare people to dogs, but it reminds me a lot of <laughs> it's, it's like a, like a, like a starvation mindset where mm-hmm. like, you know, my, one of my rescue dogs, he's a big dope like just the most obnoxious (laughs) needy dog, but we love him. Uh, But it's just funny because we feed him every day. He can expect it, but he has like, he literally has like food PTSD from being a stray. And he has like stray dog syndrome where like he will snarf the food. Like, and then he will look for, you know, extra scraps here and there and try and do it in secret. And I feel like people are really similar. Like if we're Right. If we're used to deprivation, like that's one thing. If you maybe mm-hmm. came from, you know, a, a food insecure household, right. maybe you're more mm-hmm. likely to have some sort of, uh, you know, difficulty in your relationship with food because you're not, mm-hmm. you know, your brain's like, you know, just trying to survive, survival mode. Got to eat this food now. And then same thing, if you're, if you have abundance and you're worried about your lack of self-control, so you go in the fridge or the cabinet and you're sneaking spoonfuls, you're still in that deprivation mindset versus being in abundance where you can sit down and say, I'm allowing myself to eat this. Like, this is okay. I can enjoy this. I think when we take it away, it like, it really shifts our, like almost our fight or flight response and how we, you know, relate to food. How do you feel like, are these patterns that you see with people often in your practice? Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, you're so right. I, I think that there is um, for sure a shift in, in how our mind gravitates towards those behaviors when, um, especially I hear comments like, well, I, that's why I don't have chips in the house because anytime I buy them, they're just gone. And, and you know, that the, maybe that's the point. Maybe, maybe that's the practice. problem. <laughs> maybe you're not buying it enough. Yeah. yeah. And, 
and I, and I did sort of do that with, with myself as a <laughs> kind of this little experiment, but subconsciously, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm one for, um, I don't often buy cookies. I mean, I think I just prefer, I love how homemade cookies taste. So right. I don't usually buy home, um, store-bought cookies and that's just my, my personal view. And, and, but then I found these ones at Trader Joe's that just changed me. <laughs> so, Tell me which ones. Um, <laughs> I need to know. They're the, they're the small ones. They're like almond and dark chocolate. Um, and again, like I don't buy the dark chocolate because of, you know, we hear this idea because dark chocolate is so healthy for you, but I just really truly enjoy the taste. So um, they're little almond and dark chocolate chip cookies. Um, I sold them like a tub. So oh, I know exactly what you know. I know exactly yeah. which ones, and they're next to the cat's cookies in the clear yes. bin. Okay, wait. Exactly. Speaking of cookies, just totally off on a tangent. Yeah. Number one, have you had the soft snickerdoodle that they have there? It's in a red box. It's no. actually uh, vegan. They're the softest, oh. most delicious snackerdoodles I've ever <laughs> had in my life. And also the, which I found out they're not vegan after I ate an entire tub, <laughs> not in one sitting, but um, <laughs> after I went through an, whole, an entire tub, uh, they're like dark chocolate, um, almond and coconut like bites. Oh, yummy. Oh. I have not had those. No. All it it and the list. sunflower butter cups. Oh, as you can tell, oh, yeah, I don't I deprive those. myself at all. <laughs> <laughs> as you should. You know, I, as yeah, you should. <laughs> I agree. So I bought those. Um, and then I, yeah, of course, just like anything natural, right? Like I ate the tub of cookies pretty quickly. It was just me. This was before I got married. So it was just me. Dang, um, those were the good I old went, days. Yeah, right? <laughs> no one ate your food. <laughs> it was just me. I went through it pretty quickly. There was a lot of, uh, I will be honest, there, there was some thoughts of like, wow, like that was pretty fast. Like maybe I shouldn't be eating cookies every day. Maybe like, why did I eat that so fast? This is why I don't buy cookies in the first place. And then I started learning more about intuitive eating, the restriction and all that. And so then I realized, you know, making peace with food is important. So I thought, well, you know, I don't go to Trader Joe's all the time. I'm here. I'm just going to get the cookies. And so the more and more I bought them, they, they lasted longer in my pantry. Mm -hmm. And I know that sounds so backwards for some people to, to pick up on, but, but it's truly, it's such an interesting phenomenon because you start to lose like interest in it almost, or, you know, I I just started to become very intentional, very picky. And that's kind of what the word that I've been using lately, um, like for over the holidays, there's so many sweets here at home, which is awesome. People are so sweet for bringing, um, goodies like that. But, but I realized someone had offered me, my husband offered me something. And then I told him, no, no, thank you. He's like, are you sure? Cause I'm a big sweet tooth person. And I told him, no, I'm sure. I told him I'm very picky. You know how I am. I, I like, unless it's apple pie that I made, <laughs> then of course I'm going to dig in, but but it's apple pie from, you know, yeah. wherever it was. And I was like, I don't really care for it. So, yeah. so that's, that's the biggest difference that I, that I've noticed and yeah. how to make decisions around food that way. Be picky uh, about your food. Yeah. That makes so much sense. Well, and I feel like, well, the pickier you are number one. Um, and also like the more, I guess, yeah, the more exposure you have to something, the less like exciting and forbidden it feels. So you're mm-hmm. less likely to just I guess what I'm trying to say is 
what I'm, what I see a lot is that people maybe relate to food or fitness and their lack of commitment or discipline to do so as Mm -hmm. like, like a personal issue, like a control (laughs) issue. Like they have, Mm -hmm. you know, this compulsion to just eat all the cookies or, you know, I was just so lazy today. I didn't move my body. And then like that directly affects their self-confidence. And then it like just goes in a circle of like, you're basically by depriving yourself, you're actually depriving yourself of the sense of self-worth because of the chain reaction that happens. So Basically, you're telling me as a registered dietitian, <laughs> you should eat the cookies, you should eat the ice cream, you should enjoy mama's cooking, give her a menu when you visit, yes, <laughs> and enjoy food so you can enjoy your life. Is that correct? Am I getting that? Oh, that is spot on. Yes. All right, y'all. <laughs> you heard it here. Quit depriving yourselves. <laughs> There's no reason. I think, yeah, and that balance is... is incredibly hard to learn. And I think that's, that's one thing that once you do learn, there's so much freedom in actually choosing not to limit yourself. Mm-hmm. Definitely. One thing that I noticed uh, when, I, when you were answering these questions here earlier that I have here is that one thing that a motto that you connect with is that you would like to eat more plants, eat more plants. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely yeah. love that. Um, I definitely agree as a vegan, um, more plants on the plate is very (laughs) crucial. Now being a mom, how do you anticipate getting your child or children in the future to be able to eat their vegetables? Like my son who refuses to eat anything, (laughs) pizza rolls and macaroni. (laughs) Three. (laughs) That's a great, um, uh, I'm foreseeing my future right now. I'm, I'm manifesting this. <laughs> which, Let and, me tell you, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a challenge. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I've really enjoyed introducing solids to, to my son, Leo. It's been pretty fun. I would say the beginning is definitely scary with, with the whole being comfortable with him gagging and all that and introducing right. foods that might be allergens. But I, I think what, true and true, you know, that I'm first time mom, but I used to work with kids. That was my first job as a dietitian. And so many picky eaters um, would come to us. And, and I think that uh, some of the sort of same tactics that I've shared earlier, um, the way that we talk about food is mm-hmm. crucial. And, and sort of like, what is that? What is that setting like at the table? Are we um, talking are we labeling food as good or bad Mm. are we talking about broccoli being you know if you eat all your broccoli you're gonna get this you're gonna get that you know I think that that's a big thing to reflect on um and and another part too is role modeling if we want our children to eat healthy we have to eat healthy as well and And, and sort of taking that, again, taking that neutral point of view of, um, of food and, and having them be involved. I, I, I love that. My, neutral. Yeah. That's hard to remember sometimes. But yes. Absolutely. It, it, yeah, absolutely. Because, um, you know, of course, it's that switch for me too, to just say like, mm, like yummy broccoli. Oh, you're doing such a good job. You know, it's like, I think once he's older, I may have to change my language around that a little bit more. Yeah. But um, but another piece that that I think is really helpful is um, is having 
kids help in the kitchen. Maybe, yeah. you know, depending on what age levels they are, but, but that seemed to be such a, a breakthrough point for my patients. When I worked at this um, pediatric clinic, I, I had him help me make a veggie and hummus sandwich. And, and right away, I, I think he was eight years old or something. He told me, no, I don't like veggies, <laughs> you know, little Mr. Attitude. Yep. And I said, that's okay. You don't have to eat this. We're just going to make this together. You can give it to your mom, anyone you want. So we were having fun making yeah. the sandwich. Like I made my own, he made his own, right? Let them be creative and, and be in touch um, with their food. And, and then as I was um, talking to the mom in, in the patient room, you know, where I was giving her the nutrition education piece, he was there just observing us. And out of nowhere, he started eating his sandwich. And the mom just like totally turned around and like her jaw dropped. She was like, <laughs> He's eating cucumbers and bell peppers right now. Like, oh, what? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So she was just shocked. And um, I would say that happened often, not just with that patient, but with others. If they are creating something in the kitchen, they're, they're going to be excited about it. So I think that's another piece that, that yeah. parents can maybe allow that. And I get it, you know, like cooking during the week and having your kids be part of this experiment and part of this process, like maybe that's not the time. Maybe during yeah. the week, there's a lot of stress. You just want to get dinner done. Maybe that's a fun activity to do on a Friday night or on a weekend where there's no pressure as mom, yeah. you know, to get things done in the kitchen where you can really just make that a uh, fun fun experience for your child. Yeah. Well, and I was just thinking too, like that's a great strategy for adults who struggle with <laughs> like literally like if you want a salad or like, let's, let's say this, people are like, ew, I won't eat salad, which quite frankly, a lot of this, a lot of the salads that I think people think of are not that great. Like there's so many more <laughs> right? options for salad. Yes. Like we don't have to only have just like iceberg lettuce like we can have quinoa and all this good like textured foods but I feel like once we learn how to make recipes and realize that healthy food doesn't have to be really gross and bland because yeah. you know that's what the bodybuilders eat just boiled chicken and broccoli <laughs> like for me when I when I um switched to being vegan mm -hmm. it actually made me enjoy eating healthy more because it opened me up to flavors that I just really didn't think to put on chicken yes. or whatever. And so I was making all these healthy and incredibly flavorful foods and I wasn't spending more than 30 minutes at a time making anyone mm -hmm. things. I found the recipes for like the frugal mom with uh, not a lot of time. And so it was great. Right. It's great. I feel like making things yourself help you appreciate it more and it becomes yeah. more enticing. Well, so tell me uh, where I know I've had you on here uh, for a very long time. Where where can people connect with you, find you uh, online or otherwise? Yeah, you can find me on my website, KarinaNutrition.com. You can also find me on Instagram, Karina.Nutrition. And um, my my email, my my information is in my bio, or you can also find it in my website. Um, for those who are interested in scheduling, I accept most PPO insurances. So uh, that's where you can find me. That's awesome. Well, yay. And the fact that you offer insurance uh, or that you accept insurance as well, that's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. So y'all, if you're listening and you need to revamp your relationship with food, and stop feeling so guilty about having the ice cream. Uh, by the way, mm -hmm. I feel like um, 
based on what you're saying, you make a really good apple pie um, and cookies. <laughs> and I know we're not in the same state. But I think we need to maybe like overnight ship something to my house. Oh, this sounds amazing. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh. Uh, Some of my fun hobbies. <laughs> yes. I love that. I love that your hobbies are food. Uh, mine too. Eating mostly. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, listen, thank you so much for coming on and just really being very vulnerable and open and, you know, breaking down these, these learned untruths, we'll call them, I guess, about <laughs> nutrition and how it relates to us in our personal lives. It's been very eye-opening talking with you. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome, Chloe. This was great. Thank you for inviting me on your show. Anytime, my dear. Anytime. Anytime. <laughs>